Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we do get started, I want to let you know this show is brought to you uh, by the support of our listeners. And you can support the show, support.greatdetectives.net. You can also uh, mail in a uh, donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. Well, it's time to... uh, Return to police headquarters. And when we first played this series, just before we got into uh, Dragnet, um, uh, we uh, there were two episodes uh, lost. And thankfully, those have both been uh, located. And uh, the uh, police headquarters was a 15-minute show from 1932. It's the oldest thing we played on... Uh, Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. So we're pleased to go ahead and at last wrap up the series Police Headquarters. So here are those two missing episodes, Episode 19 and Episode 22 of Police Headquarters. First up is $80,000 Robbery and followed by Two Officers Disappear. Headquarters. Hold the wire, please. Detective Bureau, Captain Wood speaking. This is the Federal Surety Company. Uh, something just tipped one of our alarm systems at 847 Reading Street. It's the Sternberg Warehouse. Okay, I'll get someone on right away. Radio. Send the patrol to 847 Reading on investigation. Robbery. Car 45, car 45, investigator robbery, 847 Reading, 847 Reading, federal surety men making the same call, watch for them, that's all. 
uh, dope on that fur job. Don't know, Captain. My partner and I got the radio call at 5.32 this morning, and we made the trip in two minutes flat. We found the back door of the place open and went in. The back storeroom was pretty much upset and looked like it had been cleaned out. Well? Well, we flashed our lights around, and pretty soon we run onto a guy laying on the floor with a cut on his head. I ran through his pockets while the partner was calling for an ambulance and found out that he was Sternberg, the guy who owns the fur shop. Where is he now? Still in the general hospital, I reckon. He was out cold when they carted him away. Hmm. Oh, Riley. Yes, sir. Get general hospital on the wire and find out how this fellow Sternberg is getting along. Right. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, that's about all there is, sir. Getting the eggs cleaned the place out. A clerk named uh, Andrews came in about 8 o'clock and said that the furs were worth 80,000 bucks. What time did you say you got the call? 5.32 this morning, sir. And you made it in two minutes? Yes, sir. This report from the Federal Surety Company shows that the burglar alarm was tripped at 5.29. We had the call in the air two minutes later, and in two more minutes, you boys were on the scene, yet you saw nothing of the robbers. That's right, sir. I guess they're gone, Captain. You mean to tell me that a bunch of yeggs can break into a shop and steal $80,000 worth of furs and get away inside of four minutes? Well, well uh... nothing. It can't be done. Did you scare up any witnesses? No, sir. There wasn't a soul in sight except in the paper boy. Did you talk to him? Yeah, and he said that he was positive that there hadn't been a car down that street in the last hour. Oh, he did, did he? Well, that's what he said, sir. Listen, Ryan. Whoever stole those furs had to use the truck. And if they did, that newsboy would have heard it or seen it. What was his name? The newsie? Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. I, I have it here somewhere. Uh, Joey Yarwood. Lives three four two and a half L Street. Oh, so it was Joey Yarwitz who says he didn't hear any sounds of a truck, huh? Well, that's what he told us, sir. Hmm. Riley. Yes, sir? Send a pick out on uh, Joey Yarwitz. You'll probably find him around the star pool room. Bell Higgins is the same kid we had in here for milk stealing about a month ago. Okay, Captain. Oh, the hospital reports that Sternberg is okay. He went home about an hour ago. Minor contusion. All right, thanks. Anything else for me, Captain? Yes. Here's out to Sternberg's house and get him down here for the lineup this afternoon. He may be able to pick out a few faces from the dragnet. Right, sir. Here's Mr. Sternberg, the fur man, Captain. Oh, yes, uh... Sit down, please. Uh, this officer here, Captain, told me you wanted to see me. Yes, in regard to the robbery. Oh, uh, how's your head? Uh, it's better. Did you get a glimpse of the man who hit you? Nine in the storeroom. It was dark. I wonder if you'd mind explaining, Mr. Sternberg, how you happened to be in your shop at 5.30 in the morning. Oh, I come to the office down early. Yes, but do you always make it a custom to come down at 5.30 in the morning? Nine. Uh, this morning I was taking the 6 o'clock train for Clinton to visit my brother. I come to the office by to get some papers for him to sign. I was in the office, then in the storeroom I heard noises. I see. I walked quiet to the back, and all of a sudden someone hit me, and, and I knew nothing. The loss of your furs doesn't seem to bother you much. Why should it? From two years back, I had them furs insured. Oh, I see. You're going to let the insurance company worry about it, huh? Javor. Did you hear any words spoken before you were hit? Well, some. I would not remember. Well, would you say the man who hit you was a small man or a large man? He was a big man. I see. Oh, uh, Mr. Sternberg, when you entered your store at 5.30 this morning, did you see the newsboy on the corner? Uh, yeah. Did you see anything of a truck? A truck? Uh, nine. I see. Well, we're holding our regular weekly lineup in the auditorium in just a minute. I want you to step in and give the guys who parade by in front of the microphone the once-over. 
If you see any wonder or hear any voices that sound familiar, just let me know. Oh, but Captain Munhead... We're only sir. asking if you assist us in the recovery of your furs. All right. Good. Now, if you'll just wait a minute, I'll see if they're... Oh, there it is. Yeah, they're ready in there now. I might tell you that we do all our work in the dark. Only the platform and the suspect is illuminated. Well, there are 180 of the city's finest detectives in here. Just make yourself at home. I'll be near the platform. Uh, yeah, don't you? All right, men. All right, men. Bring in the first prisoner, Antonio Romelli. Well, I see your little trip to the big house didn't do you much good, Tony. There he is, men. Tony Romelli, age 38, record three terms in state prison. Assault with intent to kill, first-degree robbery, and auto theft. Now he comes back on a charge of robbery again. Waylaying drunks is his specialty. Take a good look at him. What about it, Tony? I such a dirty place. A nice fellow, see? A clean, upright citizen. Take him down. Next one, boys. Samuel Johnson, colored, has more trouble staying on the wagon than all the rest of the drunks in town. This makes his 15th arrest on a charge of drunkenness and disturbing the peace. Sam has a razor, and one of these days it's going to send him to that one-way walk if he doesn't cut out his fighting. Now, what about it, Sam? Well, uh, Mr. Captain, uh, I guess I just slipped again, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, take him down. Next prisoner. Well, I didn't know the boys had picked you up yet, Joey. Well, what you got me down for this time, Captain? Now, Joey, you know why we brought you down. Because you didn't tell us the truth about that fur robber this morning. Ah, oh, you both make me sick. I tell you, dumb flatfoot, that I ain't seen nothing, I ain't heard nothing. And you ain't going to tell nothing. Yeah, I know you're lying, Joey. Uh... Man, this is Joey Yarwood. Sells papers at Sixth and Reading. Used to be the leader of the East Side Hoodlums until we broke him up. Had him in here a month ago on a milk-stealing charge, but he lied out of it. Take a good look at him, men. You'll probably be after him for murder one of these days. All right, take him away. Next prisoner. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't see anyone who looked like the man who hit you, Mr. Sternberg. Mm. After all, it was just a shot in the dark. Yes? Uh, there's a woman here to see you, sir. Joey Yarwitz's mother. Oh, yes. I asked her to come down. Uh, I better go now. Oh, wait a minute, Mr. Sternberg. We still have to fill out the robbery report. You'll just wait until I finish with Mrs. Yarwitz. Uh, oh, uh, show her in, Ryan. Oh, but I must be... Uh, sit down. Sit down, Mr. Sternberg. I'll just be a minute. Nothing serious, Mama Yarwood. Here, sit down. Always I was such a good mother to him. Always I tried to send him to school and buy him nice clothes. There, there now. Joey hasn't done anything bad. Here, here, stop crying and maybe you can help us out. All right, Captain. Well, the trouble with us is that we can't get along with Joey. Somewhere he developed a hatred for cops. Consequently, he does things which are against the law. Joey and the law just don't hit it off. I thought that perhaps.
All right, bring him in. I'm sorry to keep you waiting, Mr. Sternberg, but I have a hunch that we might pick up a clue from Joey Yorwitz if our plan works. Mm. Take your hands off me, you dumb slacker. I can walk along. What do you want now, copper? I just wanted to have a little talk with you, Joey. Well, start talking and talk fast. i got to get me papers at the Star at 4 o'clock. You're pretty tough, aren't you, Joey? What about it? Sure I'm tough. you got to be nowadays. Yeah, I guess you're right, Joey. A fellow has to be tough, doesn't he? Yeah, or he'll be getting a lousy end of the deal all the time. A fellow doesn't have to be crooked, Joey. Oh, no? Your cops are crooked. Why shouldn't we be? Now, but your mother doesn't know that you're crooked, Joey. You'll leave my old lady out of there. Just the same. I'll bet it'd break her heart to know that you're rolling drunks and stealing milk. You'll leave my mother out of there. I'll bet you've got a good mother, Joey. Someone who has worked hard to try to make a man out of you. She'd be awfully disappointed to know that you're growing up into a first-class hoodlum. Ah, uh, what you don't know, don't hurt her none. Besides, what do I care? She'll croak one of these You'll days. You'll be sorry that you talk like this, Joey. All right, Mama Yarwood. You can come out from behind that screen. Oh, Joey. Joey, you cannot talk like this. Ma, I didn't. Why, dirty double-crossing copper. I'll get even with you. Bring my ma down here, will you? Let her know about me, will you? I'll show you. Oh, oh please. I'm sorry, Joey. You asked for it. He's not hurt, Mama Yarwood. Joey. My little Joey. Here, let Mama wipe your face. I'm sorry, Joey. That's all right, Captain. I've been pretty much of a fool, I guess. Oh, Joey. Don't cry, Ma. I'll straighten up. Honest, I will. Honest, Ma. I'll make good. Won't I, Captain? Yes. You'll make good, Joey. And the way to start is to tell us just what you saw at Mr. Sternberg's fur house this morning. Oh, excuse me, Captain. I, I just a minute, go... Mr. Sternberg. Maybe something for us to work on. Go ahead, Joey. You'll tell us, won't you? You're darn tootin', I'll tell you. There's the guy you want. Sternberg. Oh, him and his brother came in a truck this morning and carted the whole load away. He's planning to collect the insurance on them furs. Why, why that's a lie. Oh, it is, is it? He gave me ten bucks to keep an eye out for the cops, but I give it back to you, see? There. That suck on the jaw from Captain Woods was worth more to me than all the lousy dough you could give me. Come on, Ma. Police headquarters. I'm sorry he's busy. Now, when such a thing happens to one officer, Inspector Bromley, uh, some personal reason might account for it. But when two officers disappear one after the other on the same detail, well, I say something must be done. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Commissioner. When Detective Aiken disappeared on that assignment to pick up Joe Mulgrew last night, I felt that he might as have some personal reason for not calling in. But when Detective Sergeant Gregory failed to call in this morning on the same assignment... Well, I knew that something was wrong. And here it is more than 12 hours later, and we've heard nothing from either man. Yeah. I have the entire personnel of the department searching for them right now. Uh, tell me, Inspector Bromley, uh, was this Mogul arrest anything more than the usual assignment? Well, yes. You've, uh, you've read about Blackie Peters. Mm, yes. Uh, your men arrested him for participation in a gangland murder, didn't they? Right. Day before yesterday. And uh, he's still in jail? Yes. Judge Blake refused bond this morning. Uh, where does this Mogul arrest come into the picture? Well, Joe Mogul was Blackie Peters' right-hand man. He's wanted on the same charge. Oh, I see. I'm afraid you don't see all of it, though, Commissioner. No? No. Both of these men are gunmen, uh, rodmen, in the vernacular of the underworld for Big Steve Maloney. Maloney? Yep. The same man who came here being elected councilman last year due to his gang influence. But Maloney... I know, I know. You think that the only reason we're after Steve Maloney is a violation of the state law against gambling houses. Yes. Well, it isn't. 
Steve Maloney is the head of the greatest criminal ring this state has ever known. And uh, you think that Maloney may know something about the disappearance of Aiken and Gregory? Huh? I certainly do. Now, uh, let me get this straight, Inspector Donnelly. We have a notorious gunman in jail, Flacky Peters. That's right. We're looking for another member of the gang on a murder charge, Joe Mogo. Yep. Now, both of these men work for Big Steve Maloney. And two officers sent to bring Joe Mogul to headquarters have disappeared. Is that it? In a nutshell. Well, why then don't you arrest Steve Maloney on suspicion of kidnapping? Because we couldn't hold him 24 hours. Listen, Commissioner, I've tried for a year to get something on Maloney, but he's too smart for it. Uh, the arrest of Blackie Peters is the first step towards him that I've been able to make. Uh, what do you think has become of Detective Aiken and Gregory? Well, I'll confess that I haven't the slightest idea. Except that their disappearance is very irregular. Well, <clears throat> push things to the limit, Bromley. Uh, distribute circulars and offer a reward of $1,000 for information leading to their safe return. Uh, these men must be found. Why in the... Pardon me. Yes? Big Steve Maloney just breezed in with one of his trigger men for a talk with you, sir. Oh, yeah. Well, um, ask him to wait. Anything new? Might be. Big Steve Maloney and one of his hired killers just came in to see me. What? Can you imagine the crust of that guy coming right into police headquarters? Hey, you don't think that he's going to... No, 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 no. Steve Maloney's too smart for anything like that. He wouldn't try to deliver Blackie Peters with an army. Oh, uh, you're leaving, Commissioner? Uh, yes, um, well, that is, uh, I have a pressing engagement in the mayor's office. Well, I, and... I thought you might like to stick around and hear what Steve has to say. Uh, no, uh, well, uh, that is, I'd like to, but, uh, well, uh, good day, Inspector. I'm sure you'll do everything in your power to find these two officers. Oh, you bet I will, sir. Uh, I'll leave by this door, if you don't mind. It'll be, uh, well, uh, more convenient. Oh, surely. <laughs> Uh. Yes? Maloney says he's in a hurry, Inspector. No, send him in. Yes, sir. <laughs> Come in. Hello, Inspector. Come on in, Tony. What do you want, Steve? Mr. Maloney, do you copper? Oh, since when? So this is the way our public service greet the taxpayers, is it? You know, the proper thing to do is to ask me to have a chair. Well, there's a chair over there if you want to sit in it and say what you've got to say. I'm busy. Okay. Sit down over there, Tony. And you can keep your thug facing me if you don't mind. Say, listen. Yes, sir? these two men. Hey, take your hands off me. Now, don't get tough, Maloney. Well, you don't think we'd be so dumb as to walk into headquarters packing rods, do you? After all, we can read. We know you've got a settlement law. Oh, indeed. Well, you've both got more brains than I gave you credit for. It's all right, Ryan. Yes, sir. What's in your mind, Steve? You've got an acquaintance of mine, Blackie Peters, in the jug. A good boy. <laughs> an acquaintance of yours, a good boy? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. All right, I've got him in the jug. What about it? Nothing, except in, uh, well, I thought maybe, uh... All right, get down to brass tacks. You thought what? Well, I hear you got a couple of dicks missing. Where'd you get that? From a little bird? Well, you tell that little bird for me that my cops will show up. Yeah, then why have you got the entire force out combing the city? Well, it isn't any of your business, but if you want to know, we're combing the city for Whiz Logan for Chicago Authority. Logan? Why, when did he hit this bird? Well, I don't know when he hit it, but he's going back to Chicago inside of 24 hours. Oh, then you ain't looking for Detectives Aiken and Gregory. Not yet, we aren't. You admit that they're missing. What's your game, Maloney? Just this. 
You got Blackie Peters in the jug? You're short two dicks out of the detective bureau. I was just thinking that if, uh, well, maybe somebody left the door to Blackie fell open by mistake, maybe your two lost coppers had come wandering home. Why, you low-down, dirty snake. No. Oh. Now, now, get the blaze out of this office, and if I ever catch you down here again, I'll jug you myself. Charge or no charge. Now, get out. Both of you. Oh, yeah? Uh, you're going to be sorry for this, copper. What now? I got a cellmate for you, Blackie. Meet Whiz Logan in Chicago. Did I ask that company? Do you always get what you ask for? Shove him in there, Tim. Yes, sir. Now in with there. You. In with now you two rats ought to get along nice and peaceful like. Says you. You got a lot in common. Lock him up tight, Tim. It's the prize catch of the year having these two yeas in the same cell. Until right yeah, sir. All right, come along and I'll buy you a cigar. Yes, sir. You think uh, Blackie knows he's due to be sprung? He does that, sir. That's Steve Maloney who was talking to him today. All right. Now, when the thing comes off, we don't want any violence. Just unlock the cell door and walk away from it like Maloney instructed you to. Right, yeah, sir. Only I can't see why you told me to take that bribe and let Blackie Peters escape. Sir, leave that end of it to me. Uh, are you certain, sir? I am not going to get into a jam over the No, of course not. You're acting under orders of your superior officer. Now, uh, as soon as you unlock the cell door, you'd better fade out of the picture for a few days. I don't want to say anything happened to you. Just like you say so. Logan from Chicago. Where's Logan, eh? Yeah. The dumb dicks locked him up in the same cell with me. And when I turned to you fixed and locked the cell door, he lammed out with me. Mm, well, bring him in, then. What have they got you for, Logan? Job inside. Believe me, I was lucky when they stuck me in a cell with Blackie. I didn't know there was a break on. 
The blackie spilled the dope. Yeah, well, you tell your boss it'll cost him five grand for delivering you. You'll pay it. And you'll see that he does. Well, how did it work, Blackie? Like a charm, boss. Right after chow time, the turnkey slips in and turns the lock, see? They waited two minutes, like you said, and then beat it right there in the back stairway to where the boys was waiting with the car. That guard sure had to wait clear for us. Good, I was afraid of that old man. Well, we gotta get you out of town. I have a plane leaving the airport in 20 minutes. It will land you in Canada. After that, it'll be up to you to keep out of trouble until this blows over. Well, you can count on me, boss. Here's a grand. That's all you'll get. Thanks. How about it, Logan? You want to take the same plane? Well, I don't know. What time is it? Pull that shade down, you fool. Cops might have a stakeout on this joint. Sorry, Maloney. I just wanted to see the clock across the street. Well, you'd better take the plane with Blackie. I don't want the law to catch me harboring any wanted men. Just as you say. Hey, boss. What you gonna do about them two dicks the boys picked up? Don't know yet. We have got them. They're tied up in the waterfront hangout. Near the old pier. You better chuck them in the river, boss. I was thinking of that, but... Well, get your clothes changed and get out of here. And don't come back until I wire you that everything is blown over. Hey. Here's a rod, Blackie. You want one, Logan? Yeah. Well, there you go. Both of you loaded to the hilt. Thanks. Now put them up, you dummy. Hey, what's that? Good work. Good work, Aiken. We rushed the joint as soon as I saw the shade go up. Cuff them together, boys. Drop that gun, Steve. Where you're gone, they're not allowed. Hey, what is this? I know. You've been framed. Well, you're right. And this time, you're wearing a frame that'll send you to the chair. You've got a promotion for this, Aiken. Aiken? Well, why did you call this guy? Aiken. Bill Aiken. Brother of the Aiken. You guys have got tied up in the warehouse. Aiken and he ain't Whiz Logan of Chai? Yeah, yeah. That's right, sweetheart. As far as we know, Whiz Logan is still eating the Chicago boys a merry chase. Come on, Aiken. Let's raid that waterfront hangout and pick up our boys and nab the rest of this mob. Welcome back. Well, kind of a, uh, as usual with police headquarters, a bit of a mis- mixed bag, particularly in the first story. I thought that the sound was actually pretty good, uh, some of the effects uh, for 1932. And it was interesting to see a lineup, though, uh, the way that they portrayed it in 1932. Um, versus the way that it was portrayed uh, in 1952. Uh, though I did think that the ending part was a bit well over the top, and some of the dialects too. But it was 1930s radio, and uh, pretty enjoyable for the time, so I hope that you enjoyed it. And coming up next week, we're going to be listening to Ellery Queen. Uh, and of course, tomorrow, uh, it's the adventures of Philip Marlowe. In the meantime, I do encourage you to send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>